Now, children, I have, I'm going to switch to headset mic here. Uh, we have some uh, clipboards for you guys to work on during this next few moments. So come and grab a clipboard. You have pens, I think, already on your seats. There's also some coloring pens there too, which will be good. And uh, at the end of the service, if you want to bring me your work and show me what you've done, uh, to myself or to Becky, that'll be fine. We can, uh, I think we've got some edible treats to reward your efforts. Whoops. Children, you'll see that on there we have, um, oh, it's double-sided. So on one side, you've got some boxes to fill out, which I'll talk you through in a minute. But on the other side, we have the text, the Bible uh, reading that we're going to read in just a moment. So you want to be able to flip it. So you might want to take it out of the clip uh, and be able to flip it backwards and forwards so you can follow along in what we're doing. Okay, let's... Um, Let's imagine the scene. Here we are with the disciples, with Jesus. They are by the temple, which is a massive structure. It probably was the biggest thing that they'd seen. Maybe they'd lived out in Galilee, which is kind of a you know, backwater village town type thing. And they've come into Jerusalem. There is the temple, and it's massive. Just to give you some idea, I flashed up this picture. This is from Jerusalem. These stones here are 2,000 years old. It's not the temple, but it's part of the um, uh, Temple Mount walls. And you can see, can you see how massive some of these stones were that they were using at the time to build their most impressive buildings? Well, they must have looked at these stones of the temple and thought, wow, incredible. And that is where we are when we pick up in verse 5 of Luke chapter 21. So use your sheets. The words will also be on the screens. This is what Jesus says. When some of his disciples, here we go, verse 5, some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones, beautiful and massive, and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, and can you imagine him saying it? Imagine his disciples listening to this. As for what you see here, the time will come when not one, one of these stones will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Okay, I want you to turn to your neighbour, turn to the person you're sat next to, and ask them, please, what is the biggest building that you think you've seen in your life? Two minutes, the biggest building you've been to or seen with your own eyes, not on the internet, doesn't count, in your life. Two minutes, go. Maybe.
Okay, let's put it in there. Uh, what have we got? Some shout outs from the floor. What have we got? Big buildings that we've been to? Centre parks? Eiffel Tower? Which one? The which? Oh, yeah. That's pretty big. Empire State Building? The Burj Khalifa. Now, that was on my script, because I think that is the tallest building currently in the world. Any advance on the Burj Khalifa? Well, I don't think you can. Maybe size-wise. The CN Tower, Seattle, Chicago, Toronto. The which? Oh, right. Wow. Go on. Your school. It is quite a big building. The other one is, the tallest one, uh, where did I have it? Yeah, the Burj Khalifa is the tallest in Dubai, and then the actual sort of biggest in terms of volume is the Boeing Everett factory in Washington, Washington State, which has like nine million cubic meters or something like that, volume. It's where they build the uh, 747. There you go. Now, the disciples were looking at the biggest building they had ever seen, and if you'd have asked them, I think, if you'd have asked them, look, what do you think? Do you think this building will still be here in 100 years? I'm pretty convinced they would have said, yes. Of all the things that we think will still be around in 100 years, surely this massive structure will be here in 100 years. I, don't, I can't say for everything else, but this place, surely. But Jesus said, every stone that you see here will be thrown down. In other words, these stones here that you're looking at, these buildings, this impressive structure that you're looking at, isn't solid enough, says Jesus. This building, this temple even, not solid enough to last the test of time. But Jesus' words, the words of Jesus that he spoke then, and that we're listening to, they have endured more than 100 years, more than 1,000 years, more than 2,000 years. And we're still banking on them, resting on them, appreciating them today. So children, in box number one, I would like you to draw some massive stones and maybe with this scripture on it. The very famous words of Jesus from elsewhere in Matthew chapter 24, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. We need something solid for our lives, more solid than bricks and mortar. So draw your wall, and maybe you can put, if you can leave that up, put those words across it, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, adults, while the children draw their walls, let me ask you this. Um, what must that have sounded like to the first disciples? How must they have heard that when Jesus said it? They may have thought to themselves, oh my gosh, the temple's coming down. What on earth is that going to do to house prices? In Jerusalem. What is going to happen to my Galilean three-bed city? <laughs> if we're going to face potential war or destruction, something of that nature. That was not the thoughts 
Jesus, I imagine, wanted his disciples to have at that stage. He's teaching them, isn't he? He's teaching us. In fact, this whole section of Luke's gospel is the moments before he's crucified, the moments before he's put on trial and crucified, and in those days, he's teaching, 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 teaching. Teaching his disciples key things that they need to take hold of. And one of them is this. Put your life not in structures made by human hands or anything else, but my words. Okay, number two. We're going to read some more of this. Some more of this Bible verse. So flip your sheets onto the back. And uh, this is Jesus. This, this section is Jesus's don't be frightened list. Okay, you ready? So the disciples, they say, teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? When will all these stones be thrown off? Um, And what will be the sign that's about to take place? Jesus replied, watch out that you're not deceived, for many will come in my name, claiming I am here and the time is near. Do not follow them. So when disaster strikes, Jesus is saying, Look, when disasters happen, you're always going to get people popping up all over the place saying, I'll tell you what's going on, and I'll tell you what to worry about, and all that. Jesus is like, no, don't listen to that. Don't worry about any of that. Verse 9, when you hear of wars and uprisings, here's the phrase, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, that's Luke's little way of going, then he taught them this really, really important thing. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There we go, wars. There will be great earthquakes, Jesus says, famines, shortage of food, pestilences. You know what that is? When all the food's eaten by pests and bugs and things like that, you're running out of food because of pests. In various places, fearful events, great signs from heaven. It doesn't stop there. Jesus continues. But before all this, right, he says to his disciples, they'll seize you, they'll persecute you, they'll hand you over to authorities. That's what he means when he says the synagogues. They'll put you in prison. You'll be brought before kings and governors all on account of my name, says Jesus. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you defend yourselves, for I'll give you words, I'll give you wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, friends, and they will put some of you, says Jesus, to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. That's a pretty long list of horrible things that can happen to a person, right? See if you can put six of those in the boxes. I've given you some spaces to put six of those in the boxes. There were more, I think there's about 10. If you want to put some bonus ones around the outside. But the reason is, here's the reason. Before you write, kids, before you write in there, just know this, right? Jesus knows He knows the very worst possible things that can happen to a human being. That list shows you Jesus knows. 
the worst possible things. Lack of food, violence of war, even betrayal by your closest loved ones who might possibly turn you over to be killed. Jesus knows the very worst things that can happen to a person. And yet he says four words. Do not be frightened. Isn't that amazing? You can put that somewhere on your box. Do not be frightened. Even when the very worst possible things may happen to you. So jot that down. Adults, this too is a command of Jesus. When we think of the commands of Jesus, when you think of the Bible and what it says and what Jesus says, I'll tell you what commands usually come to our mind, don't they? We think, okay, do not steal, um, do not murder, uh, do not commit adultery, don't accept bribes, all of those types of things. Do we think of this one? Do not be frightened. It's a different category, isn't it, of command, isn't it? I know many people who will probably say, yeah, no, I don't murder, I don't steal, I don't go around lying about people, but who have a terrible problem <laughs> when it comes to being fearful of the future. Where am I going to live? Where are my kids going to go to school? How am I going to pay for the bills? Uh, how am I going to be healthy? How am I going to park? <laughs> Gets down even to that, doesn't it? Sort of parking anxiety. Any one of those in the household, maybe? Yeah. How am I going to get there? How am I going? Jesus says about the future and the worst possible things, even war, violence, everything else. Do not be frightened. Powerful. Finally, number three, box three. We're going to put verse 16, if we can have verse 16 up, and verse 18 next together, next to each other, to um, put an extraordinary thing that Jesus said next to each other on the screen. Right, you ready for this? Verse 16, Jesus said, some of you, they will put to death. Right? It's pretty much the climax of all the terrible things that could happen to a person. Jesus says, verse 16, some of you, they will put to death. Verse 18, but, halfway down there, not a hair of your head will perish. Isn't that an unusual thing to say? Let's go back. Verse 16, some of you, they will kill. Verse 18, not a hair on your head will perish. Very strange thing to put right next to each other, barely a sentence away. To solidify this, what you can do, children, at this stage for box three, is you can take a hair. I think I've done this before. Let's do it again. Or if you don't want to take one of your own hairs, if you don't want to pluck a hair out of your own head, maybe you can pluck a hair out of someone else's head. <laughs> so uh, yank, maybe get a good tuft 
<laughs> Maybe you get a few. Grab a hair. So find one. I, I tend to find the ones nearer the back are the most painful. But if you, if you go somewhere in the middle zone and grab a hair, I'm sure you'd probably find one on the floor as well if you are still, right? And you can lay that, you can lay that hair on your, uh, on box three there. Because God's very particular about hair. You might be quite particular about hair as well. You might have uh, got up this morning and made sure you got your conditioner in and, you know, the oils and whatever. Got a bit of hair wax in there. You might be quite particular about the hair. The Lord is even more particular about the hair. Even, even to the point where he likes to number hairs on people's heads. So I love my children, but I don't sort of do that whole monkey thing and count their hairs and just check. Have you lost a hair at school today? I've never done that, have I, Chloe? When she comes home from school, I don't check that all her hairs are intact. The Lord, Jesus kind of wants to conjure up those, the feelings of the Lord towards us. And so he uses these words. He knows the numbers of hair on your head. And no matter what happens, Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, the worst things, the very worst things could happen to you. But I promise you, listen to me, he says Jesus, I promise you, I promise you, not one hair on your head will be lost. My Father will restore and resurrect every last hair. That's how precious you are to the Lord. So when we come up for communion at the moment, here are some powerful words as Jesus spoke about some of the most terrible atrocities that human beings have had to face. And praise the Lord, we don't face pestilence, famines, wars, lots of these things. Not now, and certainly not for many years to date. However, here are words to rely on. Here are words to bank on. Here are words to trust in. Though the very worst things, the very worst things, Jesus knows all of them, what they are, may happen to a human being. Though some of you they will kill, not a hair on your head will perish. And we can come forward in a moment, we're going to sing again, we can come forward today with thanksgiving to Jesus. Not a hair on my head will perish. And even as you receive body and blood, what Jesus has done for us, we can say, thank you, Jesus. Not a hair on my head will perish. And as we do it, as I said, as Becky said a moment ago, we can also put our prayers of remembrance into the cross. So, Ben, do you want to come and join?